to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston, editor-at-large at FreightWaves. We're part of the FreightWaves family of freight casts. At Drilling Deep, we speak with a guest from somewhere in the trucking and transportation spectrum and drill deep on what they see going on in markets and in the industry today. We're going to have economist Noel Perry with us in a few minutes as this week's guest. As you'll hear when we introduce him, there isn't really a single part of the business that he hasn't worked with. He's going to share his views with us on a whole lot of things. But, but we usually kick things off by talking about the lifeblood of trucking, and that's oil, or more specifically, in this case, diesel. It has long been conventional wisdom, well, you know, maybe up until the past month or two, that IMO 2020, a rule that was to limit sulfur content in marine fuels, that IMO 2020 was going to cause diesel prices to spike relative to the price of crude. Obviously, if the price of crude were to fall, like it's doing now, diesel might not rise. But because of IMO 2020, this was the conventional wisdom, it was going to outpour, outperform crude no matter what. And that has not happened. The idea with IMO 2020 and the impact on diesel prices is that you need diesel molecules to make the new fuels that are compliant with IMO 2020. As a result of that, it was going to be likely that diesel would be squeezed and its price would rise. In October, if you looked at the spreads between diesel and crude, it looked like that was starting to happen. In fact, I mean, it did happen. Those those spreads did start to widen. But you know what? That proved to be short-lived. And now you're hearing the analogies once again. It used to drive me crazy. The analogies to Y2K, much ado about nothing. But think about it for a second. Was Y2K really much about nothing? If we hadn't fixed all those software programs leading up to Y2K, what would have been the result? I know in my own office, we fixed dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of software programs came in on the first day after January 1st, and there was one program we had forgotten to, to, to fix, and it didn't work. It only took an hour or so to fix it. But imagine if we had done that with all of the programs. So I think the result is, you know, we, we know what would have happened if we hadn't fixed any of those. And what some analysts who are very smart are saying now is that that run-up in diesel spreads in the fall, last fall that I talked about, was as a result of getting ready for IMO 2020, just like people getting ready for Y2K. A lot of inventory of compliant fuels was laid in. You can see that in the statistical numbers for Singapore, which is the world's biggest fueling location for the world shipping industry. Last Saturday, Freightways ran a story that I wrote, quoting three of the best analysts I know out there who all said the same thing. Inventories were built in the fourth quarter of 2019. You saw that in the spike in spreads that I talked about, and the market is running off those now. But at a certain point, they're going to be exhausted. And all of them said they expected the price of diesel relative to crude would increase later this year because of IMO 2020. And then last week, Marathon Petroleum released its earnings. I listened to the conference call with analysts, and, and on it, CEO Gary Henninger and other executives said they did not expect to see a spike in the price of diesel this soon after the start of the regulation. But Henninger said he expected a stair step of stronger diesel margins as the year went on. If you just search for that on FreightWaves.com, you'll find it. Uh, probably best thing to do is search Henninger, H-E-N-N-I-N-G-E-R, uh, and, and you'll find that story. You know, the oil market right now is extremely weak. You all see that. You haven't really seen that much benefit from it at the pump. I fully acknowledge that. We know that it will happen eventually, maybe not the full the full sweep of the drop in crude and diesel, but you will start to see more of an advantage. The commodity price of and the spot market price of crude oil and diesel have all sunk considerably since 2019 turned into 2020. There is no doubt that oil is under tremendous downward pressure. 
But what the marathon executives and the analysts I spoke to were saying is don't get complacent about IMO 2020 and the price of diesel. From the perspective of truckers and other transportation companies, the worst is yet to come. We're going to move on now to part two of Drilling Deep, where we go to the outside and speak to somebody else, just another in our long line of extremely impressive list of guests. Today, it's Noel Perry, who heads Transport Futures in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. He's also the chief economist for the TIA, the Transport Intermediates Association, which is the trade group for brokers and 3PLs, and also the chief economist for truckstop.com. Previously, he was a corporate economist at Schneider National and director of market research at CSX Transportation and Cummins Engine Company. And boy, Noel, that is that is quite an impressive list. And, and I look at it and I just think you've got the whole scope. You had the rails, you had the engine builders, the OEMs, you had a truckload company, the brokerage companies, uh, a, 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 a load board company. There, there really isn't anybody you've missed, is there? Well, I've also done work for barges, for shipping lines, and I was a flyer in the Air Force. So, yeah, I've been, I've done it all. It's been a long time. All right, very good. Well, we're really glad to have you here on Drilling Deep. So, so let's talk about where you see the market is today. I recall last year at Freightways Live in Atlanta, Noel and my colleague Zach Strickland were holding a sort of debate about whether freight markets had turned a corner. Noel's argument was that they had not. You were very bearish. And right now, it looks like those forecasts are pretty accurate. So where are you feeling today about the state of the market? Uh, the uh, the earnings are coming out for various truckload companies, and they pretty much back up that it was a tough year. It was a tough quarter. It was a tough year. But some optimistic outlook going into 2020 in large part, not actually in large part, but to some degree because of a expected drop in capacity. Where do you see things standing? Well, I, there are two ways to look at this from the from the economic side, we are in in danger of sliding into recession. The, if you look carefully at the freight indicators uh, that tend to, to be leading indicators for the for the economy, they're they're weaker than than normal. And when that happens, usually uh, a recession happens fairly soon. So there is a significant economic risk. Um, and if that were to occur, then uh, the entire truck market would be uh, affected. Now, having said that, there's a big difference between what's going on in the spot market and what's going on in the contract side. Uh, I'll deal with the contract side first. Uh, It is still, from, from a pricing standpoint, on an average pricing basis. That includes what was negotiated a while ago and still in, in effect. Uh, it, it is still slightly above or somewhat above um, the long-term trend in, in price. It hasn't really come all the way back to earth from the peak that we had in 2018. So this is really a hangover of probably yeah. 18 months, which is yeah. certainly good for the carriers. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, and, and it happened back in uh, 04 when we had the similar things. And uh, it just takes time for that market to settle back. So I would I- expect... Uh, in the absence of a significant economic expansion this year, which was highly unlikely, uh, I would expect that contract uh, rates will continue to fall and maybe as much as 5%. Uh, now, on the spot side, rates are uh, below the long-term trend. Uh, they really crashed uh, a year ago. And they, they're slightly better than they were a year ago because um, there is, you know, 
pressure uh, to slowly bring them back up again. But um, uh, I don't ex- expect them to change much unless the economy falters. So if you're in the contract side, uh, I expect prices to fall this year. And uh, friends of mine that are in that business are reporting that. On the spot side, um, I am slightly optimistic about the market. Uh, however, I remain quite pessimistic about the economy. So on on the whole, I think that um, that spot prices will be down slightly from the economy and the contract prices will be down significantly. I mean, the, the, the amount of volume, the amount of freight moved over the last year by a lot of indicators did not really fall that much. And yet you had rates collapse. Right. And I think in, in retrospect, most people are saying that just the amount of capacity that came on because of the new truck orders, because of those unbelievable numbers that the OEMs were posting through all of 2018 and really into parts of 2019. Yes. Uh, you know, you, th- that's what you're seeing now, the result of that. Oh, sure. Yep. And uh, – uh, we're also seeing uh, less. Um, what's the word? We're seeing a, 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 the shippers now are bargaining harder because they know they can get the the capacity. Well, but let's talk about capacity. Uh, the, as, as I mentioned earlier on, you've got the earnings coming out for a lot of the truckload companies and in the conference calls or in the statements that accompany these earnings. Uh, the executives are saying they think things are going to get better. And one of the reasons they think things are going to get better is a reduction in capacity because of, you know, name your name your poison, the drug and alcohol clearinghouse, the switch to, from AOBRDs, you name it, there's a lot of them, the, the slowdown in new orders from the OEMs. Do you see a drop in capacity uh, in the offing? Uh, I would, no, I do not. I think it's relatively neutral. Uh, the uh, NT, the oh, uh, F, FMCSA today announced that the training requirements are being put off two full years. Um, I'm basically neutral on, on capacity this year, as long as the economy stays relatively healthy. Um, so, um, I don't think there's going to be a big recovery in, in price. Are insurance rates the, the one thing that could trip that up? Uh, you hear that over and over sure. again. They've soared because of the nuclear verdicts, and they are just starting to get outside the reach of, let's say, a small independent owner-operator just cannot pay these premiums anymore. Well, let's be careful about uh, 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 out of the reach. Uh, if these insurance costs apply to everybody, and they are, uh, then then people will pass it on to the um, – to the shippers. Right. But don't you think it's easier for a larger carrier to pass that on than, than an independent guy running his own truck or a, a small company of four or five trucks? I mean, theoretically, they should be able, their ability to pass things on should be equal. But I mean, in the real world, the big boys usually tend to have a better position when you get into something like that. Well, no, I, uh, I don't agree, but with one exception, in a time of rapid entry, much of the of the new capacity comes in uh, amongst small fleets, people with no experience. And so there's a tendency at those times to get that kind of problem. And we may have some of those left over, but it's been my, my experience that the the um, distribution of profitability is the same, uh, uh, regardless of the size of the of the of the the company. Uh, big executives 
are just as likely to screw up as small ones. And, you know, uh, uh, your what a cynical outlook, Noel. <laughs> well, your uh, company has been reporting quite loudly about these large failures over the last year. Um, I mean, you know, look at that Celadon. Um, and uh, so I don't, I don't agree right. with that. Of course, Celadon's failures were a few years ago, not really of the, the current management. I think the situation there had just oh, gotten out. The ability know, of anybody, yeah. anybody to fix management, and those guys are are quite competent, but the ones that they took over from had problems. So what are the opportunities in a market like this for brokers? You've had a couple of earnings reports just recently. C.H. Robinson, I know, had a, a tough quarter, uh, some of the lowest margins they've ever had. Uh, the opportunities here, are they going to get better or are they uh, still going to suffer? Well, uh, I'll put it this way. Uh, generally, in markets like this, broker margins get better because uh and not because they're getting more profitable but because of the <clears throat> just a simple arithmetic when prices are low their costs uh, take up a higher percent of the total price of the move uh, if indeed their their um, margins are falling right now that would be a a, a bad sign but i don't, um um <clears throat> i'll put it this way the broker uh brokers benefited uh, a year ago and a year and a half ago from the capacity shortages like everybody else. And it, it, it it's no surprise that things are tougher for them uh, now than they were a year ago. Uh, but I don't see anything um, structural that would, would say the brokers are worse off, uh, you know, should be worse off. So, and, and I haven't studied the earnings reports for CH Robinson to know what the, what the issue was, but uh, I see no signs I see no structural reasons why they would be uh, uh, stressed unless it's the additional competition from these new entrants, people like Convoy and some of the other ones who are uh, you know, attempting to um, take over that space. Now, that would cause uh, a, a reduction in profitability just from the competition standpoint. Right. And that's long term. That's not going to just go away if the market. Oh, not at all. No, right. uh, yeah, that that space is is in the first um, uh, iterations of a radical change in technology, right. you know, the so, automation of all those phone calls. And, let, uh, let's yeah, I'm sorry. Let, let's turn to the rails here at these sort of rates and falling diesel prices. Is the pain for intermodal just going to get worse? I don't think I think that space is relatively stable right now. Um, it, it it's no longer increasing as it as it did for 15 years because they basically mined all the all the easy to convert stuff. Um, uh, their prices follow truckload prices, and um, uh, as I said earlier, the contract side in truckloads likely to drop by five percent or more this year, and that probably affects intermodal as well. So. Uh, they're moving right along with the people that they partner with and compete with. When we were preparing for this interview, Noel, you said you wanted to talk about AB5. One could make the argument that AB5, for trucking at least, is dead for now. And I think based on some of the things that various judges have said, it's likely to stay dead. But clearly, you've got some concerns about it longer term. You, you, don't, you don't view it as a completely dead issue, do you? Oh, not at all. Uh, now, having said that, there's no. It, it looks 
relatively certain that the federal law, which um, was passed, uh, good grief, quite a while ago. 1994. Excuse me? 1994. Yeah, right. That law was passed in in response to a similar uh, challenge to uh, owner-operator work in the state of Texas, which had a very strong tradition of intrastate uh, regulation. And um, uh, that law uh, basically uh, has exempt, uh, well, it puts owner operators under federal regulation, not state regulation. So that's that's a done deal uh, with respect to what California was trying to do. Now, having said that, there is a strong ethic in this country that... um, uh, people who work for somebody else should get a certain amount of money and a certain set of benefits to include retirement and vacation and overtime, all of those things, which we assume relatively naively are part of the economic, um, are constants in the, in the economy. The facts are that people uh, prefer to work in a far more flexible way. You know, the marketplace, uh, uh, People say, no, I would, you know, if you give me choice between overtime and some other things, I'd rather take it in, in, uh, in terms of, uh, of salary. Uh, you know, all the big fleets offer relatively generous 401k programs. And, and in many cases, the people say, no, I don't want to contribute. So yeah. um, my point is the marketplace very clearly um, – prefers to have far more flexible uh, uh, arrangements. And that includes people working for less than it is assumed in social circles uh, is is right. So what we have is a contrast between, if you want to call it a liberal view of, of, um, of, of compensation and the realities of the marketplace. Now, why I say that is that there should the Democrats get control of the of the Congress again with a, a Democratic president, which is certainly possible this time, not certain, but possible, it is almost certain that this idea, this ideal will come up at the federal level. And, yeah, the, uh, the, 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 right, the, the F4A rule, rule, which has been cited by the judges in the AB5 cases out in California, is not sacrosanct. I mean, he can oh, be changed. No, no, it's it's not. You know, there's nothing constitutionally guaranteed about it. It is. It's simply a federal law that was passed to keep the states from doing what California did. Well, that doesn't mean that the unions or all the other people who who believe passionately and I quote a fair wage won't try to do it at the federal level. And you know. Part of me looks at this and I think about just extremism. So this all kicked off with dynamics or dynamics. Most people pronounce it dynamics, so I've been told it's dynamics. Suddenly overnight, taking its workforce and turning them into independent contractors, which is an act of essentially no empathy and no sensitivity to the various needs of the people. And then, of course, you've got legislation that's on the other extreme that tries to go and fix it by just taking verbatim a court case and making it law. This is not a good way to go. No, and, and yeah, it's not. Well, and and here's my viewpoint. Whatever you say about the social ideal of um, of of passing a law which 
requires people to provide those those kind of benefits. Whatever you say about that argument, the marketplace very strongly prefers a different solution. And so let's just say that the federal government takes, you know, changes that uh, that F4A rule and requires all truckers to pay a certain amount of 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 uh, of benefits to owner operators. What'll happen is the marketplace will figure out a different way to get the same result we have now slightly less efficiently. We only got a couple of minutes, Noel. So let's let me ask you one final question. What are the sort of undiscussed or things floating under the radar for trucking in uh, 2020 that you think aren't getting talked enough about? Well, uh, my advice to truckers right now is to keep um, their eyes on the nightly news uh, because if we get some kind of a mess in Iran, which is certainly possible, not likely, but possible, then we could easily get $5 diesel. Uh, you know, any kind of a shooting war over there would spook the world uh, oil markets and, and drive the price of crude up. So that's that's one thing I'm concerned about. The other thing is that this, this, um, um, this virus that's coming out of China is one of those wild cards that could tip off a global recession. Uh, there's a, you know, there's Europe is already in recession. China has got some pretty bad debt problems in the local areas. And it wouldn't take much to kick off something that um, elsewhere f- uh, feels like what happened to us in, in 08. And, it, and it's possible that, you know, that uh, this particular health issue is enough to spook people to uh, cause a uh, problem that is much bigger than it, it would seem. We want to thank Noel Perry for joining us today on Drilling Deep. Uh, Drilling Deep is a freight cast, is, excuse me, is one of the freight cats of freight waves. Uh, we discuss things every Wednesday when we drill deep into various issues. Noel, thanks again for joining us. You're welcome. Nice to be here. I'm John Kingston. Join us again. <laughs>